Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Post-Thanksgiving greetings. Did you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving? Awesome. We had the most Holtz ever gathered this year. I mean, which was really awesome, considering that my mom died about this time last year, and so we, but we had maybe 35 Holtz together in one place, and uh, we all got together and played the annual basketball game that all the guys play. That's why I can't hardly walk now. I'm too old for this, and uh, it is good to see everyone. Hey, we, this coming year, we are praying and, uh, in the church that it will be a year of discipleship as well as outreach. We, we try to keep the focus on the outside here at the church and doing what we can for others. But I really feel like this coming year, we want to zero in. Uh, those of us who want to follow Christ, maybe a little deeper on uh, developing our spiritual lives. We're going to have a fast. You're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks ahead. But in January, we are going to have a church-wide uh, call to a fast so that we can focus ourselves and prepare ourselves for this coming year. And uh, be praying with me. We're going to have a vision night in January where the church comes together, and you'll hear about uh, 2013, what we're looking at, what we hope will happen. And uh, so I'm really excited. The last uh, three weeks prior, I spoke on worship. I talked about why worship, because any healthy church, a church that uh, proclaims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you can almost, in some ways, gauge its health by the degree of worship that it has. I mean, if we say that God is who he says he is and that we love him, then the amount of worship that we give him should reflect the depth of our belief in that, right? And so it was my desire for myself as well as for us as a church over the last three weeks that we develop maybe a new appreciation and also commitment to worship God, to give him the praise that and the adoration that he's due. Well, worship, of course, is based in our ability to give thanks to God. And here we are at Thanksgiving, and so I wanted to follow up that with a couple of Sundays. I'm calling Thanks Living. And it's my prayer that we as a church body, and of course those of you who are our friends and maybe our guests for the first time this morning, welcome, or you're checking the church out, we would love for you to come and, and journey with us and follow Christ with us as we try to catch up to him, where he's headed, and uh, that's what we're about as a church. But it's my desire that uh, we kind of refocus and we also reorient our lives and kind of do a checklist right now. Do we live a thankful life? Are we grateful? Because uh, a lot depends on how deep that gratefulness in our life goes as far as how much we worship God, our perspective of life. And Thanksgiving fuels worship. Uh, an ungrateful people just don't, are not going to worship God very deeply. But there's another aspect to this that I thought was fascinating. And that is that, did you know a thankful people are a healthier people? That just in general, I mean, if your life, if, if you have a, a perspective in life of being grateful and thankful, then you're physically many times healthier than other people. 
uh, I read, they call it cultivating an attitude of gratitude. And this is just not the church that says this. This is scientists, sociologists that do studies. Uh, I read two or three studies in preparing for a for this sermon today, and they said that cultivating an attitude of gratitude has been linked to better health, sounder sleep, less anxiety and depression, higher long-term satisfaction with life, and a kinder behavior toward others, and actually including romantic partners. So wives, if you want your husband to be a little more romantic, you think, well, he's kind of lost his edge. Help him become a more thankful person. Because the more thankful, the more grateful the person you are, then it's even the more romantic you tend to get. Uh, This Dr. Emmons out of the University of California made this statement after his research. He said, if you want to sleep more soundly, count blessings, not sheep. So the next time you can't sleep and you're laying in your bed and you're trying to come up with some kind of way to go to sleep, start recounting your blessings the things that God has done in your life that you're grateful for. Begin to think about those. Um, He even said that those who practice gratitude are 25% happier than those who don't. 25% happier. All you have to do is reorient your life to be a grateful person, a thankful person. There were less health complaints. You even wanted to exercise more if you had more of a thankful attitude. Uh, You were more accessible to people for emotional support if you're a thankful person. Uh, You're more pro-social. You had more satisfaction in your life. And like I said about the wives, the spouses, husband and wife, both, if they have a thankful spouse, they just enjoyed being with them a little bit more. You know, the marriage was a little bit happier. And uh, he said this, if you've forgotten the language of gratitude, you'll never be on speaking terms with happiness. If you've forgotten the language of gratitude, you'll never be on speaking terms with happiness. And another uh, you know, figure he threw out in this study was that people who are grateful were 50% less depressed than those who were ungrateful. I mean, that's better than taking an antidepressant. I don't know if it does that much, you know, 50%. I mean, so you can just change your perspective, work on your perspective of gratefulness and your depression, it, it will aid in lifting the depression. Uh, there's a Dr. Gottman from the University of Washington who did studies with couples. He said with 90% accuracy, he can watch a couple in his office for three minutes and determine whether they're going to make it or not, whether they will stay married or divorced. And he said it's simply this, that for every negative that he sees from one spouse, there has to be at least five positives from them. And if there's not, they're not going to make it. Like if one spouse frowns at the other, that spouse that just frowned, better augment that with five nice love taps or smiles. And if he doesn't, it shows there's some problems in the marriage. And that with 90% accuracy, he can watch that couple and say they're not going to be married for very long. Isn't that amazing? Having a thankful heart, a gratefulness... And uh, our country was based on a grateful heart. Uh, We just came through Thanksgiving. George Washington wrote this in uh, 1789. Listen to these words. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor, 
And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of the states to a service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation. Wow. In between that time and also Abraham Lincoln's time, we had sporadic days of Thanksgiving, but there was never anything really set. And, uh, but in 1863, Abraham Lincoln, in the middle of the Civil War, wrote these words. It is the du- By the way, let me just say this. that As I've read this, it's my understanding that Lincoln believed that the Civil War was God's judgment on America and that it was having to pay for its sins at that time. And so Lincoln was calling the country back to God. He was saying, listen. And so listen to these words. It is the duty of nations as well as of men to owe their dependence upon the overruling power of God to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations are blessed whose God is the Lord. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied, enriched, and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God who made us. It seemed to me fit and proper that God should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwells in the heavens. Wow. And there started our thanksgiving from that moment on that we have now. God's a pretty smart God. When God calls us to be a grateful and thankful people, there is so much in it for us. I mean, the scientists have discovered this. Maybe you have discovered this in your own life. We've got our text today is one, one small verse over in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And I'm going to read it through and then ask you to read it with me if you would. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Can we say that together? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Father, 
We ask that you breathe life on your word this morning. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to gather with friends, new friends, those who are looking for you, those who have been found by you, those who are following you, those who want to follow you, those of us who are struggling maybe to catch up with you. Thank you that we have the opportunity to be together, to worship, to sing of your greatness, to smile, to pray. And so I ask for you to breathe life on this word today. Holy Spirit, your presence, we welcome you here. We ask for you to come touch our hearts. Change us, challenge us, Lord, but make us into a grateful and thankful people. In Jesus' name, amen. You've got a little fill-in there that I put in there each week, and this week there's four. It's in your handout if you want to pull it out with a pen. Let me say this, too. you got a little Post-it sticker there. You wonder what that's for? You can see them over on the cross from the first service. They're also up around here uh, on the front of the stage. They're at places at the communion stations. You're going to need that in just a little bit because what I'm going to ask you to do is as I share, I want you to ask God to point out one thing you are so very grateful for. One thing. I know you can make a list, but this morning while we're here, Ask for God to illuminate, to brighten for you the one thing that you go, man, you know what, God, I just am so appreciative of you doing this. Maybe it's your salvation, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a situation, maybe it, whatever, whatever you feel like that it just is highlighted in your life. Be thinking, don't write it down yet, not yet. Hold on, because I want you to wait as we make our way through the sermon here. I want you to wait, and as God illuminates it, then write it down, and then in the worship, when we come back, then you're going to have the opportunity to either come forward and use this as an altar and to lay it before the Lord or put it on the cross or around the communion stations and give it to God as a thanksgiving to Him. So your first fill-in there is this. Thanksgiving reveals our faith. Thanksgiving reveals our faith. Give thanks in all circumstances. It didn't say for all circumstances, but it did say in all circumstances, right? I mean, we can thank God in all circumstances because of the faith that God has given us in Him. I mean, if you want to know if you're a faith-filled person, many times we get challenged when we have hard times come and we realize we are not that grateful of a people. And hey, it's okay. Everybody needs to relax this morning because we're all in the same boat, okay? There's nobody here preaching to anybody. We're all getting this preached to us, okay? Somebody after the second serv- or first service said, boy, you really pre- stepped on my toes, preacher. I said, no, I was doing this <laughs> the whole time as well. The Word preaches to us. The Scripture and the Holy Spirit is preaching to us in this. And many times... It's a surprise to us that our faith is not any deeper than what we thought it was. But if you listen to the words that come out of your mouth, especially in trying times, whether it's complaints always or if there's any thanksgiving to God, you can find out the level of your faith. I had drawn on my notes a little diagram, kind of like this circle with an arrow and then another uh, line with an arrow that just completed this circle. And it had faith, of course, builds into more thankfulness, but more thankfulness builds into more faith. And so it's like a continuous circle as we grow confident in God and who He is, then the level of our faith deepens and there's more thankfulness and gratefulness flows out of our mouth. And the more that we do that, it increases our, our faith. So it just they support one another. 
Now, what are you thankful for? What are you grateful for? What deep down inside would you say, God, you did such a good thing when you gave this to me, when you did this for me? You did such a wonderful thing. Maybe it's the opportunity in life, a certain opportunity that was given to you all of a sudden. Maybe it's your fifth grade teacher, that one that really encouraged you, or a Sunday school teacher, or a friend, or friends that have been there right at the right time for you. Maybe it's the person who told you about Jesus. Maybe it's your business or the person who trained you in your profession. The one that put you on the right road, the right track, and helped you get there. How about those that taught you to... I mean, I'm grateful for the people who taught me to investigate things. I really am. I am really grateful that someone taught me, many people back in my life, taught me to not be afraid of asking questions. And to be able to dig in and to research and to read and seek out and look for answers and and dig. And and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with asking questions or even never getting those questions answered. It's still all right to ask them. I'm very grateful that I was taught that it's okay and that even enhances and builds my faith. It doesn't distract or take away from my faith. It encourages it. Are you a grateful person? And do we trust God? If you listen to yourself speak... You can find out. I mean, my wife, man, I can tend to be sometimes a bit pessimistic. All right? We're in the uh, support group right now. Hi, my name's Tim. And, uh, you know, it's my time to speak this morning. So I can get get worried about things. I can get pessimistic and negative. And, of course, I don't vent to you guys. uh, But I can get in the car with my wife, and I can shovel it out. And my wife, you know... I can just be going, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. And, I, you know, I give it. And suddenly she'll go, well, I just wish we had something to be thankful for. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> Do we really believe Romans 8, 28? Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that God causes all things to work together for good? Do we believe that? The new NIV says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do we really believe that? Because we can, if we listen to ourselves, we will find out whether we really believe that or not. And if you read on in that chapter in Romans and you get to the 31st verse and you read right on down in the next eight verses, you see this litany, this list of all kind of troubles and challenges. And Paul says that even death is not going to separate us from the love of God. So what do we fear? Do we believe that? Do we believe that? Our thanksgiving reveals how much faith we have in God, how much trust we have. Do we believe that Jesus is able to keep what is his? Do you believe Jesus is able to keep you? He is able to hold on to you, that he's very good at doing that, that he's not like us. We lose things, but God doesn't lose things. He keeps what is committed to him. He's very good at that, and we don't see the end of the story. Did you know that your eternal life started the day you came to Christ? We all talk about one day, one day in heaven, in heaven, no, your life started, your new eternal life 
began when you came to Christ. Now the body, yeah, this body is going to die, but then God's going to resurrect it. But your life, your soul, and then the resurrection of your body is going to come. You started that new life the minute you came to Christ. Some of you today, maybe you haven't started yet. Well, today, hey, what a great place to be. Today's your day. Today's the day you can begin. You can start up right now and begin your eternal life right now with Christ. And I think we, we see this big gap between eternity and where we are now, and we think one day, one day. No, it already has begun now. God is working, changing you, and you have that eternal life that has already begun in him. We're walking that out now. Jesus is able to keep. Thanksgiving reveals our faith. Your second one here is this. Thanksgiving reveals our goals, our goals in life. The amount of thanksgiving we have, if you listen to yourself talk, if you listen to what you're grateful for, what you're thankful for, you will hear what you're living your life for. Listen to the paragraphs in your life and you will see the subject. Our scripture says, for this is God's will for you, to give thanksgiving, to be thankful. It reflects the goals, where we're headed, our thanksgiving does. Everything we do. I mean, is your goal Christ? Is your goal this life of following Jesus? Listen to you. Is your goal thankfulness, gratefulness, optimism? Because 839, Romans 839 says that nothing is going to separate us. That God's going to cause everything to work together for good. Do we believe that? Is it true? Is that our goal? I'm hoping, see, my my prayer for us is that we're going to have this little adjustment kind of like on an amplifier, you know. Maybe the tone is just not right. We've gotten a little negative. And by the way, you guys are a very wonderful church. I, I got to pass this on. I did a memorial service on the beach, Carolina Beach, uh, Friday afternoon. And uh, one of the members of that church plant up in Wilmington came over to me, and they were here about four weeks ago. And she walked over to me, and she says, I want to tell you something. You have the most fantastic church I've ever been in. She says, I walked in the doors of that church, and I felt like I was a member. People welcomed me, loved me, smiled, and greeted me. And she says, that's the kind of church we want here in Wilmington. So you guys have really left an impression on those folks that came here from Wilmington. But I want, to, I want us to even be a more grateful church going into 2013. I want there to be more joy in our midst because I think it's contagious and it's healthy for us. And it reflects and reveals the kingdom of God. The Catholic writer of St. Francis de Sales said this all the way back in the 1600s. He said, God gave you understanding that you might know him, memory that you might think of him, a will that you might love him, imagination that you might realize his mercies, sight that you might behold the marvels of his works, speech that you might praise him, and so on with all your other faculties. Wow. Did you know that we can profess to be a Christian and live like an atheist? We can be Christian atheists. I mean, we, we go to church. Like, you, Are you a faith person? Are you a Christian? And you say, yeah, I go to the vineyard. You know, I go to a church. And then we go back to living life like we don't even believe God exists or he has any import in our life. Christian atheist. <laughs> you know, God help us. Tweak this thing, Holy Spirit. Come to the vineyard this morning. 
reposition us so that we can see we have so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for. And um, our goals, where we're headed, what takes most of our thought and our passion will reveal exactly the level of our thanksgiving. I mean, look at your life. What are you pursuing right now with your life? Is God or your relationship with God in there anywhere? Is it in there anywhere? Is there an intentional pursuit of God anywhere in your list of priorities right now? Psalms 124, 1 and 2. Both of these verses are started the same way. It says, If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, and the second verse goes, If the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, have you seen any situation in your life where if the Lord had not been on your side, things would have turned out differently? I mean, I'm trying to get you guys to think of something to be thankful for, grateful for. Some of you guys in here are looking and thinking, wow, you know what, I could have died in that situation. If the Lord had not come through for me, I wouldn't have been here for my family. If it wasn't for the Lord, if it wasn't for the Lord, thank you, God, for being there. Thank you, God. I went through this trauma in my life. I went through this sickness. I'm going through this, but you are here, and you have enabled me to persevere. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just read the eight verses here in Psalm 124. If the Lord had not been on our side, let the vineyard say, well, it says Israel, but let the vineyard say, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, they would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? If it had not been for the Lord, if it had not been for the Lord. But there are things in life that are enemies to thankfulness, and these are your next two fill-ins. Your next one is this, that greed kills thankfulness. And that goes back to the goal again. You know, as you look at your life and the goals you have, greed will kill thankfulness. You know, we, we adults can be like our kids. At Christmas time's coming up, and you've probably seen some of the funny videos you know, that are on television or on YouTube or whatever of little kids who get, the, get their present, and they, they grab the present, and they tear into it, and then they see what they got, and they go, Is this all I get? And, and we laugh, but we're the same way. I mean, right? I mean, in life, we look at life and we'll look at ourselves and go, is this it, God, really? I mean, is this it? Is this, is this all? I mean, isn't there something else under the tree for me? I mean, is this all I get? This greed that can consume us and rob us of a gratefulness and a thankfulness to God. Uh, one of my many heroes of the past is a guy named Zinzendorf. Count Zinzendorf, uh, Moravian from Germany, Hungary, back in the 1700s, mid-1700s. He came from a very noble family, a wealthy family, very well-known family through those countries, and the nobleman, and came to know Christ and had quite an experience and started these little communities 
of uh, Christians together and eventually sent out missionaries, I mean, all over the world. Uh, the Wesleys, you know, Charles Wesley, John Wesley were impacted tremendously by the Moravians and their testimony, their caring, their kindness, their thankfulness that, that always exuded in their lives. I mean, anywhere they were, you could see how grateful they were to God and their kindness. But talking about somebody that wasn't greedy, here's his saying, and we hear this in the vineyard from our leaders. <laughs> Over the last two years, I've heard this saying a lot. And how many people would say this? Here's Zinzendorf's directions to his pastors. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. <laughs> How's that for killing off a little greed? And <laughs> Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. That checks you a little bit, doesn't it? Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. But we want more. We think we need more. We think that God has not been enough for us yet. He just hasn't been enough. He hasn't done enough. He hasn't given us enough. And so we just want more, more, and more. We can't appreciate the job we have because it's not the one we had. We can't appreciate the husband, the wife that we have because someone else has a better looking one or a more wealthy one or a more talented one. We can't appreciate the money we have because someone else has more money. We can't appreciate the education we do have because someone always has more. We don't appreciate the friends we have because someone else has more friends. And on and on it goes. Greed. Psalms 103, verse 2. It says this, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. But we forget them. And that's your last fill-in here is this. Forgetfulness kills thankfulness. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Are you thinking? Are you saying, Lord, what do I want to write on that little slip of paper in just a minute? I don't want to forget your benefit, Lord. Forget not your benefits. Or is it like, what have you done for me lately, God? You really haven't done a whole lot. What has God done for you lately? Think. Remember, recall, bring it to mind. Contemplate, consider what God has done in your life, even recently. The more you contemplate that and you think about it, the, the less anxiety. You're going to feel the anxiety begin to drop off of you, begin to shed off of you the more that you thank God. Philippians 4, 6. I mean, how many of us have quoted that scripture, especially in tough times, right? Do not be anxious about anything. And some of us go, that's easy for you to write. Well, do you know who wrote this? The guy over in Romans 8, that list of all that stuff that went on, the guy that wrote, do not be anxious about every, anything, but in everything. Isn't that poetic? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, feel the rhythm. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. How beautifully rhythmic. It's easy to memorize, isn't it? And you think, what's up with this guy? Well, this guy was beat, shipwrecked, starved, thrown in jail, and eventually gave his head up for the gospel. Do not be anxious about anything.
but in everything, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Let's try this. Uh, Psalms 136, verses 1 through 3 is a little responsive uh, prep here, priming of the pump for, for our worship time. Let's try this. I'm going to say a line, and then you're going to respond. Your line is simply, His love endures forever. So here we go. I'm going to say the first line, and let's say this. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Now, how did that feel? His love endures forever. And, and listen, I want to say this is not some bad theology. It's one of this hyper-faith type of confessional things where you deny reality. Because the same guy that wrote Philippians 4, 6 and Romans 8, 28 wrote 2 Corinthians 6, 10 where he says, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. It doesn't mean you deny what you're going through. It doesn't mean that you don't have tough times. It means that in the midst of that, we can still rejoice. There's a way to rejoice. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Poor yet making many rich. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. Boy, that's a miraculous life if you ask me. And some of you are thinking the same thing. You're going, I don't get that. How can someone live? Well, the key to it is back in our original text. I'm ready to close it out here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, where we read by the same guy, Paul, give thanks, that word, give thanks, eucharisteo. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. That car, that word in there is the word joy, but it also is tied to grace. That it's very difficult to have joy in those tough times if you have not experienced the grace of God. But when you experience the grace of God in Jesus Christ comes an amazing, miraculous ability to be able to have joy and thanksgiving in the midst of sorrow. It indeed is a miraculous thing. And it also is indeed something that can be developed, that we as followers of Christ can work on. And that's my prayer for this church. Thanksgiving, biblically, from a Christian perspective, is related to joy and an experience of God's grace. It really is something very special, supernatural, a gift of God for our lives. And you know what? You're not the only one that's blessed. When you thank God and you're a, a very appreciative person, it blesses so many people. People like to be around you. You end up doing things for folks. And uh, it can come back for you. I mean, Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, Give and it will be given to you. The more thankful and grateful you are, it can come back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And Ecclesiastes 11, 1 says, Cast your bread on the water. You might give thanks. And what will happen? It will come back. After, after many days, you will find it again. Have you ever noticed how grateful people, kind people seem to have a lot of fun people around them? It's, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, if you could see the cartoon, like all the grateful, happy people are, oh, it's, it's good, it'll be okay, and then all the negative. And, and like the negative almost attracts the negative, and the positive attracts the positive. And so it, it's like it comes back. The more joy, the more gratefulness, grateful that you are, and thankful you are, it can come back again and again. I want to close with this story. A number of years ago, 
an English family journeyed to Scotland for vacation for a summer holiday. And the mother and the father were looking very much forward to spending some time with their young son. And so when they got there, the son, he wandered off, you know, looking around, and he found this swimming hole, and nobody was there. So he took his clothes off, and he jumped in. And almost immediately, once he was in the little pond, he got cramps and began to drown. And he started screaming for help and crying for help. And there was a young farm boy in a field not very far away, and he heard those cries for help. And so he ran to the pond jumped in and pulled the little boy out. One little boy pulled in another little boy out of the pond and saved his life. The next day, the father of the little boy who was uh, saved from drowning wanted to meet the little guy that had saved his son. So he went over to the farm and sat down with the, the little boy. And he says, well, you know, what's the plans for your life? What do you have planned for your life? And the little boy said, well, I suppose I'll be a farmer like my father. And the dad of the little boy that had been rescued said, well, is there anything else you would like to be? And he said, well, I always wanted to be a doctor, but my family's very poor and they can't afford for me to go to medical school. Well, this English man was a very wealthy man. And he looked at the young boy and he said, you shall have your heart's desire. Make your plans for medical school and I will pick up the cost. Now, boy, that's pretty nice, huh? How's that for thankfulness? Well, a number of years later, in December 1943, Prime Minister Winston Churchill came down with a fatal, near-fatal case of pneumonia in North Africa. They called a doctor, Dr. Alexander Fleming, who had discovered penicillin. They They flew him down to North Africa to give Prime Minister Churchill a shot that saved his life during World War II during all of this. Years before, it was Fleming who dove into that hole and saved the young Winston Churchill. It can come back on the water. The gift given by Churchill's father came back to Winston Churchill again. Your bread cast on the water can come back again and again to bless so many people. Give and it will be given to you. Give thanks and not only will you honor God and bless others, but you yourself will be blessed. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. We have so much to be grateful for, Lord. And this morning, I just ask for you to illuminate that one thing that we would say, today's the day that I want to thank you for this, God. Today is that day. You guys can go ahead and write it down. And I would encourage you to take that step of gratefulness step out from your chair find a place here as an altar or the cross where you see the post-its are over there or one of the communion tables pause and thank God and leave your offering of thanksgiving there to him that one thing that you're thankful for today let's take some time to be grateful
Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.